Hey, club members. Welcome to the First Issue Club podcast. Matt, go ahead and roll the music now. Fade it up. Make it sound cool like that was like the little intro part. Oh, now we're rolling. (laughs) We are the First Issue Club podcast where we explore... What is it, guys, that we explore? First Issues. Oh, yeah. First Issues only and First Issues weekly. What are we covering today? Maneaters from Image Comics, Heroes in Crisis from DC, and Stranger Things from Dark Horse. Hoo-hoo-hoo. In uh, Heroes in Crisis, DC, they promise a uh, big superhero death, or maybe many. No spoiler alert. <laughs> Until later. Until 10 minutes from now. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead and time that exactly, Matt. 10 minutes from now where we tell you who dies. If you had to kill any superhero in any comic, who would you kill? My name is Greg Liktai, and without hesitation, the superhero that I would kill is Guy Gardner. He is a Green Lantern, and he has a bowl cut, and he's just a annoying little asshole of a Green Lantern Corp member, and I wish nothing but harm and death upon him. <laughs> I am Caitlin, and I would kill off Cyclops because he's kind of a creep to Jean Grey. He's just kind of whiny. I don't really want to kill off anybody, but if I got to choose, he's my pick. That's a great pick, actually. This is not excusable, but is he not married to Jean Grey? Yeah, but he's like, he doesn't he kind of like groom her in a way? Not to pull something that's really relevant right now. Yeah. Well, because the world is terrible. But <laughs> for every comic He's creepy book, to her even before they get together. Yeah, he totally gaslights her the entire relationship. This is Budget King, and the superhero that I would kill is Casper, the friendly ghost. <laughs> to finally put him at rest in his afterlife pursuit. He seems right. to be he won't pass on, and I'm going to end him now. Isn't that a choice of his though? It's not like he's trapped in a realm that he doesn't want to be in. I've not read many Caspers, but my understanding is that he is a lost soul. <laughs> no, he's a friendly ghost. It's not Casper the you lost think, soul. Isn't he? I thought he was. I thought he was abused by his three uncles. Um, so he chooses it to be a ghost. Hold on. Why do you think he's a superhero? He solves crime, I think, or solves a mystery. I think you're thinking of Scooby-Doo. Or Mary-Kate and Ashley, perhaps. Does he not like... Oh, yeah, they're ghosts. <laughs> they're pale enough. Well, okay, then what actually goes on in a Casper comic? Uh, friendly family hijinks. Not mayhem? They usually play jacks or <laughs> some kind of ghost hopscotch. I don't... Th- there's got to be something like Goosebumps like it, there's, right? I think there's, always, there's always treasure in the house, and then Richie Rich comes in and they find it. I'm going to be very honest with everyone in the room right now and everyone listening. I know who Casper the Ghost is. <laughs> I have no idea of his exploits or any of his misadventures. He could be out killing people for all I know. I don't know anything about Casper. I think it's the most we've ever talked about Casper ever. <laughs> we almost read a Casper, and then it was utterly terrible. It was the worst thing. <laughs> so, all right. Let's get this podcast
man-eaters, man-eaters, now we are covering man-eaters now. All right, first up we have man-eaters from Image, words and art by Kane and Nimchek. So man-eaters is a book that puts a pretty, it's not not heavy-handed, but it is clever spin on, I want to say just say oppression, just right out there, of women through this characterization of like making them seem unstable, emotional, or uh, mostly out of a fear to control them. So the um, the scat team, <laughs> which is, <laughs> it is the, oh shoot. Which I always get confused, It act, in case you guys don't know, scat means poop, it doesn't mean jizz. Right. Who told you <laughs> that's, that that's... scat meant jizz? <laughs> All right. So anyway, the strategic cat apprehension team is um, specialists in rounding up and identifying young women affected by Toxoplasmosis X, which is a mutation in a parasite that was found in cat shit. We also know that this infection has only been found to become the mutation in young females, which has been the catalyst for complete transformation into a giant predator cat that can kill, um, especially killing men and boys. So naturally, what happens is uh, maybe not necessarily research into this, but a sterilization of young women everywhere. (laughs) That's, you know, the logical progression. So I guess we should say this comic uh, follows a myriad of things, but it also follows a young woman, a young girl, and her father, I think are going to be the main two people in this comic. Mm Mm-hmm. And through this comic, you find out that the government is actually sterilizing women so they don't turn into these cats, these big monstrous cats. But at the end of the book, the young woman gets her period. And so you find out that um, the sterilization has not worked on her. So she potentially could turn into one of these um, Well, and you've seen this cat be around her the entire time, Mm -hmm. so you know that it's going to happen. Yeah. That's It also uh, points then to the criminalization of being a young female where you see girls rounded up under suspicion of their own families, being held at gunpoint to get into cuffs and taken to these facilities because of the fear that they will eventually become this entity that people can't control nor can they understand. So one thing we should bring up too is Chelsea Kane was an author at the heart of Comicsgate mostly for a comic book that she did called Mockingbird. And there's actually a good podcast on this. Reveal did a whole episode talking about comics getting alt-right and all that kind of stuff. Do you guys think that her being at the center of basically, to sum it up, neckbeards being upset that uh, women are not just uh, busty, bodacious eye candy in comic books, do you think that this is in reaction to that or this this at all informed her comic book? This one right now, Maneaters? Yes. I don't know. I think it would... It's, this comic book was probably pretty cathartic for her to just uh, do a big fuck you to uh, maybe the big two that were just like don't want to touch on the sensitive issue of feminism, which is, you know, treating a woman like a human. Uh, so uh, this probably was, I, I don't want to assume, but I can only hope that this was like her reaction to um, all that fucking nonsense that she had to go through. You, there are so many things happening right now that this could be in reaction to that you could kind of just throw a dart. That's a good point. Yeah, it didn't take just that. These non-family members of mine will never listen to this podcast, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you something <laughs> shitty that I heard over the weekend. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> As we were watching the Brett Kavanaugh case, and Dr. Ford had just gotten done giving her thing, a couple of Republican women who happened to be watching uh, the case with, they said, 
Who, uh, what guy hasn't sexually assaulted in uh, high school or college? It's tough to get out of those situations and not have sexually assaulted somebody. Both of those people have daughters, multiple of them. Wait, these were uh, women? These were baby boomer women. Okay. That said this. Honey, I can't wait for your first sexual assault story. It's going to be great. You know, I mean, it's kind of got some truth to it, though, because that's expected of a lot of males to prove. Yeah. That they are. Yeah, but all that it is shouldn't man. be like that's going to be a bonding experience for oh. a mother and daughter, like to compare sexual assault stories. No. no. And if that is a societal norm, I don't want to live in that society. No. I'll blow but. my brains out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> like that just that needs to change. That's a, that's like a, you know a, that's a, rape culture at its finest, right? And I think that in some ways, like people who read comic books, at least to the traditional class of them really like for women to be subdued and just kind of follow their will. I I make the attempt to, to treat women as equal and I like to have I would like to have equal pay and all that type of stuff. That doesn't make me uber feminist. That just makes me a normal human being that accepts fifty percent of the population as normal yeah. <laughs> and also Which equals. is weird. I can't believe is it, would is it uh, I've dang. always heard that. Is it really fifty fifty? Or is like it's, what, it's gotta be close. What is right? the percentage of male to female? It's not it's like if it's fifty one, it's forty nine. It's not okay. it's not negligible okay. to be it's not like 30, 36, 37 or something. I've like always, that. I was, I was always curious about that because, like, really, you only have two options, right? So I don't know <laughs> well, if it really will. <laughs> that's true. You have multiple options, but like, that's true. Yeah, but <laughs> I think that like man eaters, in some ways, is like, like you said, Greg, like this cathartic exercise in being like, God damn it, the fucking society and like how they like view women, like, just look at yourselves. It's like it's a crazy mirror. Which you can also get this book in sparkly form, which is almost <laughs> like a mirror. It's interesting that they, I guess, just to me, like making the women turn into things that it actually makes sense that men would be frightened of is Cougars. a cool point to me, though, because you get all of this, like, this fear about, like, I don't know. I'm thinking of the quote that Courtney Barnett used, and that was said by somebody else originally, but like, men are scared that women are gonna laugh at them. And women are scared that men are going to kill them. Like, if you, <laughs> if you like, make women into these like we can't. If we can't control them, we need to be so afraid of what they're going to do, what they're capable of. We need to keep them in this like easily manipulatable, like controllable form. Then it's, but that it doesn't make sense that you're afraid of that. If you also think that you can overpower women, like it's just a weird sentiment to have that doesn't make sense but then actually having Kane put these women into forms that are legitimately terrifying Mm -hmm. is interesting like now you can be afraid of them yeah it's kind of like flip the script a little bit yeah I don't know if that makes I mean the government was afraid for them to vote you know like so yeah Yeah, but then you then you want to put them into this box where you're like well you're tiny you're weak you're you know crazy so Mm -hmm. why would you be afraid of me then right (laughs) <laughs> is cat not a not like a metaphor though to like cat power kind yeah. of like okay yeah I'm pretty I'm I, I think so this is this is a comic book to me that is an example of when you write for your exact audience um, it is appealing to everybody outside of that niche and I think the audience for me I feel like might be um, 15ish 16ish like women they would feel I think really like empowered to have something like this and I, th- and I think that that makes it really fun for me as a 34 year old male to like also <laughs> read like I really enjoyed it but anyway. because you want that empowerment to happen you're like yeah 
I like what this is doing. Yeah, yeah. Some of this may seem a little heavy-handed in the book, um, and fucking good, because some of these people need to read this bullshit. Well, not this bullshit, but they need to read this shit. Yeah. Because uh, this is... Uh, this is feminist material that is easily digestible for people and like could probably get you into feminism and make you a good person. Totally. In my humble opinion. <laughs> um, can we say pick of the week? Yes. I think we could, yeah, definitely say pick of the week. Yeah. Play, I think, I'm with it. Play that noise now, Matt. Play, <laughs> play the pick of the noise. Uh, pick of the pick week. Pick of the noise. <laughs> Do we have a pick of the... He'll find something. Make it be like uh, an explosion. What do you guys want it to be? Nah. Can you have, do you have like a laser sound, Matt? So we can go, this is a first issue club pick of the week. I was thinking like a big laser. Like. Pick of the week. <laughs> pick, 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 pick of the week. It's Mick Pick of the week. <laughs> can I get a Mick Pick two of the week? <laughs> Um, Matt, leave all this in. <laughs> this is comedy gold. <laughs> now we have Heroes in Crisis from DC by King, Man, and Mori. Well, folks, here we are again. It's the end of summer, beginning of autumn. The leaves are beginning to turn a bright, colorful hue from their ordinary green, and DC has rolled out yet another event. We open to a bloody scene of heroes stabbed to death in a sprawling wheat field outside of a house not too unfamiliar from Clark Kent's childhood home. We'd later find out that not only have those superheroes been slain, but many inside have been slain too, and that house is not his boyhood home, but it's actually called Sanctuary, a sort of rehab for superheroes that need to come to terms with all the things that they have done in their lives. Uh, we get an epic fight between Harley Quinn and Booster Gold, arguing over, was it one of them who killed the heroes? And other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, do an aerial eagle death fight. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of fucked up. Like, it Booster was... Gold's taking her to the Hall of Justice, and yeah. she stabs him. Harley Quinn has a lot to lose in that fight. Because mm -hmm. uh, gravity is not going to be on her side. Well, she thinks she's doing the right thing, though, because she honestly thinks Booster Gold was the person who killed all these people. I think she may be right. She also has a death wish. And yeah, because he was she like, does if, have you, a death wish. if you stab me, we both go down. And she just says, duh, right? She's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm still stabbing you. She's like just a nihilist. Okay, so before we get into this, Budget King, you had a ton of questions. You Yeah, you made me hold all of my questions before <laughs> this. Okay. Um, so, I, yeah, let me let me run them down, which okay. might be helpful to some um, audience people when they read this book. By the way, let's start off by the premise of these questions are that I really enjoyed this book, and it was really fun. This book was wonderful. But Can I was I sidebar yeah. again yes. and, and um, say that we should call all of our fans audience people? Like, you know how people have, like... <laughs> Hello, audience people. You know, like, oh, our my little monsters or whatever, ours is... Should just be audience, audience people. people. <laughs> That's what we call our fans. Yeah, <laughs> audience people. No longer, hey, audience people. They're no longer clubbers or clubbies. You are all our beloved audience people. <laughs> Hello, audience people. <laughs> um, yes, questions. Questions. Okay. It seems as if there are pre-events that are governing this story. Is that the case? I do not think so. I think all you have to know is that the people who are in sanctuary are trying to reconcile for their past misgivings or their past problems. This is like a rehab center for them. 
you get a kind of a quick look into that for people who there's one who is addicted to drugs. There's one who um, uh, I think his name is Blue Jay, like his size. He can't control his size. So he has like a, a fear of drowning in his own bed. You have Harley Quinn, who is just kind of, I think, unraveling this whole book. She's, you know, she's been a a toy of the Joker for a long time. And I think she's finally just kind of. Speaking of Blue Jay, did you notice that the crows were eating tiny Blue Jay? Yeah. 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 Which is a really cool de- detail. Okay. So in that, we you mentioned that we see a bunch of superheroes that are dead or stabbed to death or whatever mm-hmm. um, in this place. It's a rehab sanctuary. One of them is a guy who he has a catchphrase, which is actually the subtitle, the name of this series called I'm Just Warming Up. Yes. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm so proud that anyone actually read a subtitle besides me. <laughs> oh, yeah, me. right? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of you when I read that. Um, it, was he invented just to be a throwaway red shirt? No, he was not. I think these Hot are spot? kind of like B, C-level okay. people, except for in the very end we find out. The Flash is dead. One of the Flashes is dead. That's going to just be forever? Here's the thing about comic books. <laughs> Forever doesn't exist. For now, he's dead. Uh, that seems like a big deal. It is a very big deal. Uh, to kill off one of the Flashes is kind of... Uh, comic books' like favorite thing to do when they're just like losing steam is like, let's kill somebody. Right. It, it seems like they could come up with other things. Well, <laughs> kind of. But like, isn't it as a, a reader, like... I don't want to say fun, because we're not sickos, but... It makes the stakes higher. It does. Yeah. Um, and I'll say this. DC does do a better job than Marvel of keeping their dead superheroes dead for longer. <laughs> and it makes their coming back, like, kind of cool. Because you forget about them for a while, and then, like, uh, some secret uh, superhero comes back. You're like, holy shit. So the concept that there is this psychological clinic that rehabs superheroes, that's also robotic... Superman's parents, kind of. So you'll see on the cover, you see these like um, gold face people, gold face people with like white hoods. Yes, I think that they're a part of Sanctuary. So in the book, you get this kind of quick insight from Batman and Wonder Woman and Superman, um, and actually Booster Gold says it at the end. These robots have uh, like the, the determination of Batman, the compassion of Wonder Woman, and like the honor of Superman. Ah, uh, yes, honor. So you get, like, the very best of those. It's a robot super reality therapist. Yeah. Built with Kryptonian tech. So I don't know if it's, like, a VR situation that they put them in or it's those. Because you you are correct. There was slain robots inside the house that um, were similar to Clark Kent's mother and father. Adopted mother and father. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that even though I didn't know all of that, I kind of guessed it. And this comic book landed really well. And I'm really pumped on this event. Yeah. You get a little bit more of an opportunity with an event, I think, to make it a little bit more cinematic in that it's not going to be an ongoing, but it's not necessarily a one-shot either. So you can have a nice... Your story has a little bit of room to breathe, but you can kind of make it outlandish if you want to because it's not necessarily going to have a whole lot of effect on the rest of it, um, the rest of a series per se. I really liked this one in the fact that we got a very good beginning and a very good end, and I didn't even really notice it until the end. Um, All of these people are introducing themselves, and it turns out that all of them are dead except for Booster Gold, and they're introducing themselves to Sanctuary. Yeah. It's like their orientation or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, like, when they get there, they introduce themselves, and then at the very end you get the introduction of Booster Gold where he's basically saying, like, yeah, I need a lot of help. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's right around the time you're realizing that um, Harley Quinn thinks that he is killed. Well, and Harley Quinn's there, too. She was, like, one of the first ones that gets interviewed, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. So I was thinking about this, too, and that, like, events that I've liked or, like, grabbed onto. And I think uh, Original Sin was an event that I really loved. Um, I liked Identity Identity Crisis, actually, a ton. Yeah. Um, and then there's a handful of Batman things, like Long Halloween, Killing Joke, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's that they're, like, turning the norm of what you knew in these characters and making some type of, like, crazy event, for, for lack of a better word, that's going to make them be different from themselves or get to know different things and stuff like that. There are some of the biggest boobs I've seen in a long time, though, in this book. Mm. On Harley Quinn? On Wonder Woman. Like, like, even in this cover, like... They're bringing boobies back. And then the first scene of Wonder Woman is this. Oh, yeah. She's basically flying tits first into the panel. (laughs) Okay, but when you you fly, do you fly tits first or head first? I would never. You How would you fly? You, with your arms first. They're like guiding you. No, oh. see, I, I, when I fly, I fly, fly like Mario. I get a running start and then j- <laughs> jump up. <laughs> you like fly the way Charlie Brown runs, like just head and belly first. <laughs> yes, like my daughter That's walks. Awesome. Yes, <laughs> which is so cute. <laughs> Little kids do do that. It's amazing. Um, yeah, but like that, I don't, that doesn't really. Yeah, you know a- what? If they can, they can show that much uh, cleavage, they can show Batman's dick. That's what I think. It's essentially the same fucking thing. In my thing. humble opinion. Yeah. You're basically getting her whole boob except nipple and areola. Mm-hmm. Why is a boob more sacred than a penis? Wait, what do you uh, mean? Because men control more the sacred? FCC. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, why did... Well, they wh- show much more of boobs than they ever show of penises. Y- you could get away with showing boobs and still keep your, like, PG-13 rating. But if you if you show a penis, so help you God. That means it's not as sacred, doesn't it? If you're just gonna show them willy nilly, the penis is more sacred. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. I don't know. I yeah. I wish I knew the answer to that. Next up, we got a comic book called Stranger Things, sharing the same title from a television show called Stranger Things. Yes, this is a comic book from Stranger Things by Jody Hauser and Stefano Martino. Stranger Things got a comic book you may have heard, you may not have heard, but you probably heard of the television show. And you know who else heard of the television show? The famous rapper Drake. Drake likes to text Eleven, also known as Millie Bobby Brown. She's 14, he's 31. Is this weird? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Do we have the transcript of what they were texting? It. She claims that he says, I really miss you. That's the maybe the most salacious thing he said. And, and he gives her, her uh, yeah. boy advice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, Still that, inappropriate. It's the actress of 11. And I was thinking, am I... F- Am I a fan of somebody who is like a teenager? And I think yes, I I could be. And then if I would like text them and we like were to get lunch, okay, that's not that weird, right? Well, kind of. How do you get their number? I went to like their show or something. <laughs> I bought their comic book. And you book. were like, let's text. Well, okay. see, there you go. 
Yeah, I, I mean, just you're don't not think getting you this number off of 4chan or anything. Yeah, I'm just like, walking through. I don't. I don't currently have any teenagers' numbers, but I'm walking <laughs> through the steps of how this might happen. So Drake, uh, Drake is at the level of fame where he can probably get anyone's number. He probably has your number, and you don't even know it. Great. <laughs> or he could get it. I would hang out with Drake. I just wish I was a child star. Then he'd want me. <laughs> I don't know why he says I miss you. Like, does he miss the character Eleven on TV? He says it because he's grooming her. Ugh. That's sick to think about. I guess it's not... I guess he has the decency to not do anything with an underage person. That well, technically he's kind of but is. But, like, putting in a song that you have released publicly, Friends Until She's 18, is, like, you can't be doing this shit and expect Eww. people not to be like, that's what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. I feel that... It's, Why, is, is it even, even like, a point? hazy line at that point? Like, yeah. I know what you're doing. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not. Well, it's like, it's like, like going bra shopping. Mad about it. I like women my own age. Is that re- weird? It shouldn't be. That well, should be kind of. You, is it like a fountain of youth thing? I just think that. I mean, I don't. I don't think we have the time. Nor yeah, the, this is gonna get me <laughs> all sorts of riled up. No, absolutely. It should. It should get everyone riled up. Stranger Things, obviously. <laughs> Billy Billy Bobby Brown. (laughs) Yes. Culturally relevant in so many ways. So culturally relevant that it gave itself a comic book. This comic book takes place when Will is uh, in the... Upside down. Upside down. So Have you seen the show? I have seen it. (laughs) I was going to call it the (laughs) over-under. He's in the the over-under. You guys are huge fans of of Stranger Things. Probably the biggest fans I know. Yeah. How did this land for you? Uh, for me, I kind of liked it because I I was really worried that it was just going to be the t- the first season of Stranger Things just in a comic book, and nobody wants to read that. I'll just watch the TV show and it'll be way better. But it actually, do you hear that roll? <laughs> but but it actually just covers Will's journey in the Upside Down that the show doesn't cover, which I thought is brilliant. Like, because yeah. there's so many little things that you don't get to see. That Will went through when uh, his friends were trying to find him. Do you think there's going to be crossover for people that like the show and also read comics? Uh, no. You so you're you're considering yourself in the minority then? I think that people who like the Netflix show probably don't read comic books. That is, was, that, is that weird to say? Okay. It's not it's not weird to say but I I don't agree. Oh, what do you think? Um well, for the first question, I um I thought it it retained its charm from the show. It has these little like hand drawing scenes of like D&D and while they're playing and he's kind of like relating what he should do in this situation when he finds himself in the upside down as to what he and his band of brothers would do when they're playing D&D and it's very cute and charming and it retains all of that. I don't like this an ongoing one of four. I wanted a, just like it should just be a trade. Like what happens to Will on the Upside yeah. Down is a fun story that you can release and trade. People get what they want out of it. I don't know. You that wanted you need. it. To, it's going to be a trade that's going to sell well. In, yeah. In like whatever five months. And that's where I think the crossover is going to do wonderfully. I yeah, you'll see this that, at Hot Topic and yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I what I love about this is it's rewarding the comic book fans with a story that is non determinate on the larger story. Right, because yeah. what happened to him? Because he doesn't really talk about what happened to him in, yeah. in season two at all. 
and at this point, doesn't matter. And yeah. you don't even really get that perspective from Eleven because you get to, like, because she's the one that's making all this contact with him, like, even in this first issue where she sees him and he thinks that that's weird, but you still have no clue what his experience was the you, whole time. Do you think we're going to get a Barb cameo? I want to so much. I think he'll stumble upon Barb, maybe, but, but she'll, oh no. she'll be dead. She was dead <laughs> already. Yeah. She was dead pretty quick. Yeah. Poor Barb. Poor Barb. Mo- moment of silence for Barb. he sees it happen. Okay. I That'd wanted... be kind of gruesome for yeah. like one of four. I also, I think they they painted the uh, the over-under. The upside down. <laughs> the upside down really well in that like it, he kind of gets sleepy and he's not completely scared and then he is scared. It really felt like the show in comic book form. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I like, I thought that was good. I thought that they expanded on their D&D-ness to a level that the hit TV show could not stomach that this is like <laughs> this is fully embraced on uh-huh. like the D&D-ness that I actually wanted to see in the television show and I loved that they went there. I actually want a comic book of their D&D characters. Yeah. Like going on an adventure cuz you get a a few quick panels of like their uh, their characters like actually drawn out what they might look like and I thought that was really fun and kind of anyone that plays D&D that's their main dream to see their characters come to life totally. in any kind of form. So I thought that was really fun. I think the author of this, you know, having to pen a pre-existing story, their biggest complaint is like, damn it, Mike and Will are still bitches. Little bitches. <laughs> They're you not... Thought, you like, thought Will was a, a wimp? He's got a shotgun in In season two, in he whole... literally cries oh. the entire season. He has something trapped inside of him. Yeah. I don't always it's know not that enjoyable it's crying to see for weakness. A child I think cry. it's pain. <laughs> It's probably not enjoyable to have a dark entity trapped inside of you. Oh, trust me, I know all about that. Oh, and I'm God. doing just fine. The, the podcast, yes. demon. We have not no. heard from him. Oh, there no. it is. <laughs> um, is there something like, this is going to sound really weird. Is there something kind of alluring to the Upside Down to you guys? Like, you yes. kind of just want to go there for the weekend? Yeah. yeah. Like, you don't have to eat, and it doesn't look like. Uh, one of my coworkers did their whole upstairs uh, for a Halloween party as the Upside Down. Whoa. And I wanted to go so badly because I, I didn't get to go, but I saw pictures, and it was fantastic. That sounds amazing. I But that's kind of that whole, like, appeal. Like, it's the creepy version of your world, yeah. and that's kind of neat. If you get killed by the flower monsters, though... <laughs> Tim Gorgon? There we go. <laughs> You're was gonna... that what it was called, or was that yeah. just what they named it? They named it a Demogorgon. Okay. I will just go with that. Yeah. Or it is flower kind people. Of a flower monster. <laughs> flower monster. <laughs> you you die forever if you if you if die. you die in the upside down. Yes. Okay. Do you ever? You guys ever? To worry? be fair, if you die in the real world, you also still die. <laughs> Not if you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, <laughs> or if you are the Flash or Star Lord. True. Yeah. And it is in a comic book. This has been an episode <laughs> of First Issue Club. Thank you so much for joining us, loved club members and audience people. We're so thankful for your time, energy, and voting abilities. Uh, not voting ability, sorry. <laughs> voting abilities? Uh, hey, if you're over 18 and can vote, fucking vote. Yeah, vote. Unless you're on the wrong team. Even then, you should still vote. Voting's yeah. important. Yeah. And but don't vote for Trump, because that's the fucking stupidest thing you can Well, do. you got two years on that one. Support, Start the clock! Support, support, your, <laughs> support your local democracy. <laughs> yeah. Um... We should have a start the clock every moment. When Mike did it, it was my favorite thing. Start, start the, the clock. clock. 
First Issue Club is recorded in case you are 89.3 Podcast Studios. Our theme music is from Primary Color Music. We're edited by Matthew Hodap, and we are part of the Fountain City family frequency of family podcasts. See, there's so many Fs in <laughs> there. There is too many Fs in there. <sighs> it feels good to get an episode done on a Monday night. <laughs> Oh, we don't risk autumn. We don't reveal what day we record. Yeah, don't do that. That's a fope. Matt, <laughs> cut that. <laughs> cut that fope. That's a faux pox. Um, we should also mention we're on social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, email. Still not on LinkedIn. They will not verify us. <laughs> really? That is a joke. <laughs> that's an ongoing that joke yeah. that is now dead. <laughs> we recycled it. Say? We recycled it from last week. Oh. Um, our, I will say this too, which I'm not trying to be braggadocious about, but our subscriptions and our followers keep on going up, and that's up, up, up. great. So it's if wonderful. you are telling your friends, if you're actually, if I'm handing you a business card and then you're subscribing to my podcast or our podcast, uh, I'm really thankful. We're really thankful for that uh, experience. We do this every week, and we you do not go uh, unappreciated for lending us your ears. Absolutely. We love having you on our little podcast family. We love talking to you guys on social, so keep it up, and um, thanks for listening. Yeah. If we missed a book this week, uh, let us know. There's a couple books that we really liked we didn't get to, but we'd love to hear from you as well. You're yeah, because you're part of our reading club. Yes, Audi- a little, audience a little, people, a little club. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is cut that weird laugh out. <laughs> that was a. <laughs> I was, like, he was sucking. He in. was cleaning his eyeball and doing that laugh at the same time. <laughs> God, like a true supervillain. <laughs> I'm idiot laughter. I'm the idiot who laughs. <laughs> this is Budget King and. Is that a laugh? That was my new laugh. Oh yeah. no! I'm trying it out. <laughs> you guys have been trying this laugh out for a week. What do you think? I'm I think I'll ca- see you next week. <laughs> I'm a carny. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think carnies sound like? Apparently. <laughs> Come throw these fears into this globe containing an aquatic fish. <laughs> do you want to ride this Ferris of wheels? <laughs> Is carny still an occupation? Hell yeah, it is. Uh, okay, yeah. I thought they were just like the people that were <laughs> lighting shit on fire like in the 70s <laughs> under a tent. Like, what are you getting your information from? Have you ever been to a circus? No. <laughs> you don't say. You don't say. <laughs> I have a strict ban on anything Cirque du Soleil, though. You have a what? I will never go to a Cirque du Soleil oh, okay. thing. Yeah. Oh, you know, I was at a conference with this woman who had a Cirque du Soleil lanyard, <laughs> <laughs> like, strap, and I thought that was super weird. Oh, man. Why would you love it so much that you get that as your lanyard strap for your work ID? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just need people to know this about me <laughs> that I love. I pay too much for shitty things. <laughs> I'm a real Cirque head, so. <laughs> a Cirque head. <laughs> I dated a girl that uh, her family <laughs> bought all the DVDs of Cirque du Soleil and made me watch Oh, you want to? <laughs> they love it so much they want to re-watch it at home. It's, I mean, it is beautiful, but I I've guess. never been in person. I've only seen it. So is death in some communities, but oh my yikes. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yes.
I actually have more information about Cirque. Did you know they made like a reality TV show about the people who do it? Whoa. Like the training that they have to do with their bodies to get into it. Please tell me it had a funny name. Cirques? I don't know what it was called, but my mom watched it all the time because it was on like TLC. This mm. is one thing I do not know. What's the difference between Blue Man Group and Cirque du Soleil? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, <laughs> there's so much difference. One's traveling and one's in Vegas. I don't think the Blue Man Group actually does anything like remotely acrobatic. Um, I do know one thing They're about... They're more comedy like... Marshmallows in their mouth? They do. Like, Someone yeah. famous was in Blue Man Group. They would actually be the original freaks. Ooh. Yeah. You could like hail them as your freak gods. Freak them. They're, they're, your, they're your freak base. I've, I've seen the Blue Man Group three times. I think Fred Have Armisen really? was mm-hmm. in Blue Man Group. That does not surprise me. Oh, they, they're percussionists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next question. What's the difference between the Blue Man Group and Stomp then? That nothing. I, yeah. There is nothing. Yeah. Okay. I've seen both and I can tell you nothing. Okay. One uh, Stomp is like Blue Man Group trying to do Rent, the musical. <laughs> that makes a lot yeah. of sense. It, t- it totally is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so put that feather in your cap, folks. <laughs> Bring that out of parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we have okay. any stompers out there, let us know. <laughs> Send us a video of your best stomp. If we have any Blue Men or Stompers, <laughs> stompers. <laughs> or Sir Kids. Um, my name is Caitlin Morosic, and I will show myself out. My name is Greg Lichtai, and goodbye, folks. Do 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 do. Goodbye, folks. Do 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 do. Goodbye, folks. Do 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 do. Goodbye, folks. How'd you know the dance? Oh, I had to watch the video. I had to. Yeah. I got nieces. I got nieces and nephews. We need training on how to talk to tiny children. Well, when the whole when the whole Billy Bobby Brown situation went down, I had to go through training and you know bad touch therapy. So I don't know why it's so funny. Millie Billy Bobby Brown. Millie Billy, star of Strange Thing. Welcome to the show. Stranger Stangs. Star of Strange Thing. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Billy Bobby. Bye. Billy Bobby Brown. <laughs> Millie Billy. Bye. <laughs> I'm going to give Matt a lot of options here for bye. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bye. 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 Bye.
Wee! 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 Wee!